0: i gotta stop drinking soda tyler
1: well this isn't soda sam what are you drinking i am drinking olipop
0: i have never heard of that in my entire life
1: you've never heard of olipop mm-mm, mm-mm. olipop is a new type of soda instead of unhealthy additives and hard to pronounce chemicals each can is packed with nine grams of fiber just 35 calories and between two to five grams of sugar Olipop is formulated with a proprietary formula of plant based prebiotics that are scientifically proven to bolster digestive health.
0: You're joking.
1: Not joking. You can save 15% on your order with using our code, which is HerdSoda, which is H E R D S O D A, at drinkollipop.com. What are y'all waiting for? Click the link down below and save 15% on your order at drinkollipop.com. Welcome back to Have You Heard About Animals. Hi. Hey. Uh, we're doing a special la, la, episode. La, la. Shut up on ocean pollution <laughs> uh, with our special guest Farah. I'm not going to say her last name because, yeah, we'll go Weird. with that. <laughs> uh, Farah, go ahead and introduce yourself and what you do.
2: All right. Well, hi. My name is Farah. My background is in environmental conservation and specifically marine conservation. Uh, most of my career has involved working on the coast in wildlife management, ecology, and conservation. And now I've kind of branched out into specifically marine work. So onshore and offshore, I have a lot of experience in.
1: Heck yeah. Okay. How long have you been doing this? Um, That's a good question. Like rough estimates, fine.
2: 10 years. I'm going to say 10
1: years. <laughs> okay. All right. Nice. And I'm assuming, of course, you have degrees in it and whatnot. We've talked about yeah. this before like I said, we're going to be doing an episode on ocean pollution. And I know most of the time we do episode 99.9% of our episodes are on animals, but this directly correlates with animals and their survivability within the ocean and how ocean pollution affects that and affects humans, of course, and our survivability. So um, Farah, if you just want to like, give us a brief synopsis on like what ocean pollution is doing to the world in general.
2: Well that's a that's a really broad that's, question. Yeah, that's broad.
0: Sorry, Tyler. I'll, come please, on. I'll narrow,
1: I'll narrow it down. What is, the, <laughs> what is the biggest uh the biggest
0: what's the biggest, biggest th- aspect of what yeah. you do?
2: Of what I do. So a lot of the stuff that I work on is human interactions with animals. And right now I'm actually working on actually wind farm construction and how the electromagnetic fields impact wildlife um some different forms of pollution that i've definitely come into contact with is just plastic pollution chemical pollution noise pollution light pollution there's so many different sources of pollution and they all need to be addressed in their own special way yeah because a lot of
0: specifically you know what i'm going to want to talk about today is the great pacific garbage patch of course it's the big one (laughs)
1: <laughs> the big one. Have they made any dent in that?
0: I don't really know.
2: I've seen a lot of stuff about people going in there and trying to clean it up, but it's it's so deep. I don't even. I personally can't fathom how we're going to do it. But I also think it's kind of better that the ocean circulates garbage into these five pockets around the Earth as opposed to it all being spread out. It I makes it a little bit points. more concentrated to pick up and get rid of.
0: And about how big estimated is this Great Pacific garbage
1: patch? I just looked it up.
2: I believe it's about three times the size of Texas. It's something like that. it's grown.
0: So it's grown since I (laughs) last researched. That's great.
1: Oh, wait, hold on. Twice the size of Texas, three times the size of France.
0: Okay, sorry. Three times the size of France, yes. The statistics just keep getting better. I love it. (laughs)
1: 1.6 million square kilometers.
0: So my question is... With ocean pollution, what has been the greatest... I'm trying to figure out how to word this. What has been the worst for the ocean thus far? I'm assuming it's plastic, but like, how has it impacted everything? So
2: I think with the idea of plastic being the biggest problem, it also correlates with another problem I'm really passionate about, which is chemical pollution. Yeah. Our problems, either whether it's with oil, dredging for oils and oil spills, or whether it's what we put through our sewer systems that we don't have the technology to filter out. All of these different chemicals, whether it's pollutions or DDT or plastics, we don't totally understand the impact on the environment. People are researching it, but because a lot of this stuff is so new, we don't know how it's going to impact us in the long run. So, for example, plastics are something that We'll get passed on and go up the food chain. So I believe it was either early 2023 or 2022 where we found microplastics in people for the first time. So what we're eating is consuming the plastic. And we don't like to think that we're eating that stuff, but we can't really get rid of it. It's so small. It's
0: almost in everything at this point. And this is how it uh, big picture impacts everybody. Ocean conservation. Mm -hmm. It impacts
2: all of us. I feel like as people we forget a lot of the times that we're animals and we are vulnerable to a lot of the things that they are because we're just so far removed from being, you know, whether it's like a fish or a primate, or like another kind of primate that we forget that we're we're really vulnerable to a lot of this stuff. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I was looking up the the like the effects of microplastics in humans like before this like maybe a few weeks ago and it is terrifying.
2: It's really scary.
1: It's like, I think it was oxidative stress and then like, uh, what was it like DNA damage and inflammation? I'm like, good God, (laughs) that's terrifying.
2: Yeah, it is, but the bright side is that there's a lot of people working on alternatives and I do feel like now we're becoming more environmentally conscious. And at least I see a lot of people using water bottles less that's a huge thing. And a lot of, especially younger kids using water bottles. Yeah, I have mine right here with my little turtle on it. Heck yeah. That is so cute. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so my biggest thing I've talked to like people from like other countries, they're like, well, your guys' water tastes weird. I'm like, you literally, all you have to do is get a filter yeah, or the sink and then you put it in a water bottle. Wow.
0: Or you just ignore it and you drink it anyway. <laughs>
1: And that then you get microplastics.
0: <laughs> we got those anyway. <laughs> what would you say has been the most detrimental impact on the ocean? I know it's um, a really broad question. It is. But in your opinion. Special, in, in, your opinion. In, your, in your opinion.
2: I could tell you what I'm really, what I think is a huge problem. But what I think is a huge problem might not be a big problem to other people. So what I think is a really big issue is contaminants of emerging concerns and personal care products and pharmaceuticals. We currently don't have the technology or the legislation that will filter some of the products that we consume out of the wastewater treatment system, which flows back into the ocean. So, for example, uh, I know Stony Brook University did a study on Jamaica Bay right outside of New York City, well, in New York City, and they found that. Because of some of the things we were not able to filter out, there were certain fish that weren't able to mate and reproduce, and it was changing their their organs that allow them to reproduce. And I think that is a huge issue that we don't pay enough attention to, and I really think it needs more funding and research because we don't know the effects in the long run, and we also don't know the effects of these small, small dosages of chemicals that on us we don't know if some of these things bioaccumulate well,
0: in the entire food chain gets impacted if there's yeah. fish that basically end up extinct because they can't mate exactly and that's that has huge impacts big picture big
2: picture on us the rest of the ecosystem and all of the different services well that animals provide us that we don't even think about
1: yeah, I mean, the crazy thing, I mean, that's why they started making mineral sunscreen, because actual sunscreen was killing the coral reefs because mm-hmm. of the was of the aluminum? Uh,
2: aluminum. I think it's, it might be titanium dioxide or oxide or something like that. No, I you're right. It's mm-hmm.
1: titanium dioxide. Yeah, uh,
2: so
1: that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it was bleaching the coral reefs because it would wash off and then it would go into the water and everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just don't understand the people like and I'm not going to mention any political view or anything at all. Or political side but a certain type of people i don't understand their pushback against like healthier and better things well i've been using this for the rest of my whole life so i'm just what okay and i don't care like you're destroying crap because you keep on using it oh wow you have a diesel engine no one cares i don't don't, don't know
2: i think that this kind of idea of environmental conservation it's so
0: broad it's It's, a it's a broad term to where people feel like it's out of their hands.
2: Yeah. Especially the individual. It definitely becomes discouraging, especially with a Absolutely. lot of people. A lot of people in my field, definitely. And I've seen it. I've gone through it. Go through waves. Of like I really feel like I can do nothing at this point. It's depressing. It's it really very is. depressing. It's kind of, you got to do a lot to keep yourself like positive and in the mentally strong space. But I personally think that,
0: Trying anything is better than doing nothing. Absolutely. So what are a handful of things that an individual person could do to help with conservation efforts with the oceans? So
2: personally, what at least what I've done, because I I like to practice what I preach. I don't like to just say things and then Mm -hmm. do the exact opposite. Uh, My personal goal a few years ago was to start small. So one thing I did is I focus on my bathroom and the plastics in my bathroom. Like, what can I change? So I changed over my like soap, shampoo, conditioner, all of that to be plastic free, uh, plastic free from organic products and fair trade. So fair trade usually results. It comes from organic products and the people that are making them are being paid an amount that will sustain their lifestyle because sometimes people don't get paid as much as they should to do things and it makes them suffer. So I looked into companies like that, all of the makeup and other products like that I use, I make sure they're not tested on animals and they're coming from ethically sourced companies. I really like Tarte makeup, all that whole brand, everything there is not tested on animals and they kind of pick out as much garbage as they can. And the kind of the problem though with conservation is that it's expensive, you know, whether it's eating organic or, you know, even like- not as accessible. It's not accessible to a lot of people. And if it's someone's in the place where it's not accessible to you, even doing something like picking up trash at the beach or like my turtle set, my shirt says skipping a mm-hmm. straw. If you're able to skip a straw, because I know some people aren't physically able to drink without straws. Those are all positive impacts you can make. Even like the smallest little thing, it doesn't always have to be super expensive.
0: One of the the small things I've done is like, say I go to, in and out. I just, I don't even get a lid for my cup. I just, I just drink right out of the side of it. And no, it doesn't seem like it's going to do a lot, but if you do that a hundred times in a year, it does make a difference.
2: It will definitely make a difference. A hundred percent. I mean, just the individual is so small compared to corporations which kind of push the plastic on us when we don't have a lot of other options This is really the best thing that we can do. And, you know, making conscious choices like that or using your dollar to put towards ethically and sustainable practices is kind of really the best thing
0: that you can do. Absolutely. Sam and
1: I talked about that, actually. It's not our fault that we use plastic. It's the corporation's fault that pushes it on us because we have no other alternative to use it.
0: I think it's very important, though, to note that at least trying. That's the most we can ask for from people is to just try your best and be hopeful about it. because. This was going to be my next question. Are there things that have been turning around when it comes to ocean conservation and the things you fight for? Have we been seeing improvements in the ocean?
2: I would definitely say we're seeing improvements in the ocean whether that's just the amount of research or laws that have been laws that have been passed in the past 50 years and I personally feel like the general consensus about caring about the ocean has really gotten more popular and mainstream I agree which Mm -hmm. I obviously I'm a huge advocate for yeah I'll go for it it. yeah like there are definitely people in my life who I never saw caring about the environment at all and then like I'll get like a random text being like hey like should I be using this product like hey like I just saw this can you tell me what this is where can I find it and I'm just like oh all right it seems like people are turning around
0: Yeah, even the little things, it's -hmm. like the fact that people are even changing their mindsets, I feel like has long term, good, positive impacts. Yeah,
2: right now, it definitely seems like there's a social and cultural shift towards environmental consciousness, which I do I do think comes in waves, you know, from the 70s to now.
1: We do have an issue as well of greenwashing where companies say that they're doing this, but they're actually just not doing it at all. And I'm not gonna bring up her name because I don't really actually like this individual. <laughs> she is on the news a lot, but uh I really just don't like her really name. not That's that
2: surprising.
1: not that she is not because she's an environmentalist or like whatever like of course, I love that like yeah. that that I like about her, but I don't like the way that they use her mm. in the fashion of like just for a political push and a political agenda, yeah. That's what I. I'm not saying I don't like her as a person. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I don't like that the way that they She's, use her. They've been
0: they, they politicized her. her.
1: Yeah, I don't like that. Like an environmentalist is not a political person, in my in my opinion. It could be. That's
0: that's a big point to make is that the environment shouldn't be something that is political.
1: Yeah, like you're an environmentalist. That's it. You don't have a political view. You're just an environmentalist.
0: Yeah,
2: it's really. I think we forget that it's not a political issue and that. It's really a matter of survival. Like a lot of people say, oh, like climate change activists and environmental activists are, you know, pushing the envelope. They're saying things that aren't they're making it sound extreme, but they're saying things because they are extreme, which is kind of.
0: They're not sugarcoating um, it anymore is essentially no, what's happening. No,
2: no one's sugarcoating anything anymore. Um, I I've, I've done a little bit of climate change work, but my primary background is not as a climate scientist. But I've seen it for myself in my home. I have measurable experiments that I've done with other people. And I can say it's, it's a problem. It's real. It's happening in your backyard, whether you believe it or not. And it's absolutely frightening.
1: I mean, there is a big clock uh, that's going backwards. I think it's like six years until climate change is irreversible no.
0: <laughs> hey there have been improvements in the ozone layer
1: i i will say i'm I trying to focus say.
0: on a lot of the positive stuff though because i think that people have made a ton of strides like i've heard i don't know for sure all of the semantics behind it but i know that the great barrier reef is starting to actually have some rejuvenation and the corals actually growing back in some spots not all of it it's obviously it's hard no, I'm, but i'm not
1: <laughs> i'm not saying all the bad stuff i'm saying like there are some good stuff and whatnot and i will say science is not 100 accurate like science doesn't know exactly what the earth is going through who no- like who knows like i'm not saying indefinite it could We're be trying a cycle. it could be a cycle that the earth goes through it could be not i don't know but in the end you should just do better
0: i want to know about f- more about Farah's work <laughs> Stop talking, Tyler. (laughs) Shut up. Stop bullying little children. I should have had more questions, but it's more like I just wanted to learn from you. And well, I mean, if you
2: want, I could talk about the research I did for my master's, or I was thinking about Tyler mentioned talking about pesticides. There's a specific case study of bioaccumulation that I had in mind. I don't know if you want to hear about that or not. Yeah, let's do it. So back in the 60s in the United States, um, DDT became a really big issue. I don't know if you guys know about DDT or not, because I don't want to tell you things you already know. (laughs) I don't.
1: I know about it, it, but.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So DDT is a synthetic insecticide, and we used it in the United States to get rid of mosquitoes. And it was really common, kind of being used all over the place. Uh, I remember my parents, even my dad, especially telling me stories about how they would spray the DDT and they would play in the DDT because they didn't know it was really bad for you. So Uh yeah, it's really scary Uh now. It's one of the, like one of the first environmental like cases that I heard of. And a really big problem specifically we were having with the DDT is how it impacted the coastal food chain. So I'm going to talk about ospreys in particular, which is a bird that ranges, um, I think it breeds actually in almost every single continent on
0: Earth, besides Antarctica. It's al- that's always the kicker, always the footnote, except in Antarctica. God, I hate that
1: cliff note every time, Sam. <laughs> every time you do it. Besides every episode. That, yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so what we started to see were the osprey populations decreasing, and that's because The DDT was being bioaccumulated up the food chain. So when something bioaccumulates, that means that it gets stored in the fatty tissue of animals. So what the ospreys were eating was staying inside the fatty tissues of the osprey. So for example, let's, these aren't the exact measurements. I don't know how you measure DDT, but let's say you had one gram of DDT in the fat of a fish. And then you had another fish that also had one gram of DDT. And you had one osprey that ate both of those fish. Now that osprey would have two grams of DDT inside of it, approximate, approximately. I don't know the exact conversions, but that's just the general idea of how the math works. So the problem with DDT is that it is an endocrine disruptor, and that means it stops your hormones from working properly. That's what your endocrine system does. And the it would really impact the osprey's ability to intake calcium, so calcium is a main component of eggs and it would make their eggs really brittle and soft. So there were not as many ospreys hatching and being able to survive. So the population is was really severely decreasing. And then you have different environmental movements in the 70s. Then you have people like Rachel Rachel Carson. She wrote a whole book called Silent Spring, probably one of the most well-known environmental literary pieces and advocate pieces. She was really into environmental science, but she wasn't really allowed to practice that much because she was a woman. But she wrote this really influential book. And between that and different legislation and environmental management, they got DDT, DDT banned in the United States. We don't use it anymore. People outside of the United States will use it. Usually it's for malaria control. So that's kind of like, it's a give and take there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And now the Osprey population is almost back to... The levels that it was before they're being impacted by DDT. So that's a nice environmental success story. I actually there are, remember hearing there are a that. good handful of those.
0: There oh, are. Mitch, yeah, everybody, everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah. It's they're, not depressing all the time. Sometimes yeah. we do good things.
1: It was <laughs> affecting the bald eagle population as well. Yeah. Yeah, they. Were, I remember hearing about that. I didn't know about the osprey though.
2: Yeah, I think it was. It's eagles, ospreys, um, and different falcons. But I live on the coast so that was kind of the big thing that i learned
1: about well i mean that's why uh california deemed bees as fish yes it's, i it's saw that because, and people are like oh yes of course it's california not knowing what a bug is i'm like first off a bug is an animal You, you know what i'm not gonna do it um <laughs> it's a way to prevent <laughs> anyways uh i almost said a bad thing uh
0: it's called a keystone species
1: <laughs> oh my god sam bleep it Hugo. hey
0: hey yeah give me the dolphin
1: um <laughs> no and i told them i was like it's a way so pe- farmers can't use insecticides or pesticides on crops around bees because they're not allowed to use those around uh aquatic animals and they're mm-hmm. like well that's dumb i'm like well i'm sorry that you so don't are understand
0: you. yeah but i feel then- like this episode highlights. It helps highlight that I think everyone just needs to understand that humans are directly impacted by the way animals get impacted. So this is why it's so important to maintain environments and to care about animals because they they are part of our, what do you call it, the pyramid food chain? Like, like nice. you, can't, you can't, I guess, like you can't have these disruptions. Animals are important that's what it highlights
1: i mean we could also just name this episode uh you know have you heard about pollution we could just do it about like just pollution in general like
0: i feel like we highlighted like the oceans more though we i thought of one more thing that go Go off off. oh yeah go
1: no no go it's directly
2: related if you live on the coast or near the coast please consider not using fertilizers please consider it
1: the algae bloom
2: yes so when you use fertilizers they have a lot of nitrogen in it and phosphorus things to help Mm. plants grow and it runs off into the ocean i'm seeing this a lot where i live this now happens almost every single summer that the phytoplankton on the surface when it becomes hot and they get enough nutrients they need they love it they absorb all that stuff. They cause an algal bloom. It takes oxygen out of the water and it causes a lot of things underneath the surface to die. So if you can avoid it, please don't use fertilizers.
1: Yeah, the red bloom is terrifying. What? So yeah.
0: I would. my question for that would be, so if someone just has their own little backyard garden, what would you suggest using as an alternative? So we can talk about how little things we can do.
2: Yeah, Compost. I, composting 120%. That's what I recommend. Um, there are some companies that will use lesser amounts of nitrogen and phosphorus in their fertilizer, so you could look into that as well.
0: It's time then- to compost, kids. Yeah. Save yeah, that Kay- garbage.
1: Kayla and I compost.
0: Aww, it gets so- really hot. We it had this, uh, there was this little box that they had on my college campus. It was like a demonstration they would do. There's a giant compost box. Where there was like a glove that went into it and you could feel just how hot it was from the energy of it breaking down. It's kind of nutty. That was a tangent. I'm sorry, but, but I just think it's cool.
1: <laughs> no, composting is wild because it breaks down super quick. You got to rotate it. We had a spinning one. We haven't. So done that's it here. what
0: that's what the goal for all of our listeners is going to be for 2023. Try starting compost and use that for your garden as an alternative.
1: I mean, most and don't, don't, don't use anymore.
0: straws. Hey, oh, oh a okay. lot of us do garden. I'm growing potatoes right now.
1: You're a potato.
0: Uh, We've been getting waterlogged here in Sacramento, which like doesn't ever happen. Like we just it doesn't rain here anymore, ever probably because of pollution. Um, (laughs) And it has just been crazy to see everything just blooming. We're already having wildflowers just like blooming in the middle of grass patches. All of my garden is just popping off. I'm like, wow, it's crazy when it rains. (laughs) That's all you need. Yeah,
1: I can't find it. There's a there's a new straw that I saw. Well, I was at the airport and it is 100% biodegradable, like, or not biodegradable, 100% compostable. And now I know, like, I've seen how people are like, oh, the utensils are compostable. I'm like, no, God, please don't, don't put it in your compost. That's (laughs) not what that means. Uh, I personally
0: like the like wooden spoons and forks that people are starting to give away with like, when you get like takeout and whatnot,
1: (laughs) but apparently, (laughs)
0: Apparently,
1: God, Hugo's going to have to put a lot of dolphins.
0: Oh well,
1: uh, no, but these straws are one hundred percent compostable. Like you can just throw. Put it a in link in the bio. I have to find the name of it. I'm yeah. Slightly well, you slow. better. Well, you better shut up. What's new? You're slow. Why are you mean to me? You see what I, I, I deal with, Farah. Early
0: here. There's a time. There's a time zone thing. It's early here. I guess it's actually almost eleven. Well,
1: stop being mm. a loser. Um, but Farrah, do you have anything like? you would like to say before we close up the episode here soon?
0: Your soapbox moment.
1: Yes, soapbox soapbox.
0: moment. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: I guess, you know what? The motto that I live my life by that I think that I'm going to sound a little preacher right now, that I think everyone should live their life by is unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not from the Lorax, fittingly. You I just got chills.
0: That was so cute.
2: You got to try.
0: Everyone's got to try. All right. Just, I'm going to adopt that now.
1: My my little soapbox about that is what people make me mad, like older people. Well, like, well I'm not going to be here when it happens. Oh, OK, but I am. It doesn't it doesn't
2: matter if you're going to be here or not. It's all about expanding um,
1: empathy Education. beyond
2: yourself.
0: God. And like, also understand that the people who get impacted by pollution the most are the most marginalized communities. One hundred and twenty percent. It's always the case. So, if you care about others at all, just
1: try. Mm -hmm. Also, like one more little thing before we end it. Like, I hate when he wants to
0: rant a little bit. Oh no! (laughs) Feel free. It it
1: grinds my gears. Like when I see people just open up their door and just like drop trash out. I'm like, bro. Just start getting
0: out, run up, and throw the trash back in.
1: Oh no! That's what I do.
2: Mm. I I used to work for the Department of Agriculture in New York City, and whenever I'd see somebody throw trash out their
0: window. I always honk. So they know just, that i saw them. Just lay on the horn until they I will follow you.
1: Not in I the
2: government vehicle, it. but in my personal vehicle, I would. Uh, yeah.
1: I saw someone throw just dirty diapers outside of their oh. car. And I'm like, you couldn't wait five minutes you know till you got home.
0: I'd what? like to happily say, I rarely see anything like that happen. I don't know if it's just because I'm in good areas or what, but like I don't typically see, I've only seen someone do like throw something out the window like one time.
1: Sacramento is dirty. Love
0: that. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not.
1: There is so much we trash. We care about
0: each other here.
1: <laughs> I don't know about that. I've seen the trash.
0: No, the trash left once you moved. <laughs> Damn. Oh! Damn. Zinga! Uh, uh,
1: Farrah gets a dolphin.
0: Got him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? I don't care about you anymore. Anyways. Well,
0: I think maybe it would be fun to do a little bonus episode series about pollution and we could have you on again for an episode that's not just marine pollution it could like turn into like aerosols because that impacts the ocean too
2: everything impacts the
0: ocean everything's interconnected (laughs) yeah so if the ocean goes we go yes i just want to expose our listeners to this type of stuff as well because we do have a lot of young listeners too so anyway we can kind of teach them how they can be helpful because it does it does feel pretty disheartening sometimes when you if you watch the news and you're like it just feels you kind of feel helpless yeah i think it's important with the younger generations to let them know that they don't have to be helpless i mean that's
2: that's how i got involved i got interested in a young age and even like a lot of people that i work with now talk about how they were interested because they saw something on tv or they read a book when they were a kid and then all of a sudden here they are. They're full-blown environmental professionals.
0: Yep. That's what happened to me. I took a geography class in college. And I said, hey, this is kind of cool. And then I it's ended awesome. up being a geography with an emphasis in environmental analysis. So here you go.
1: I just like Steve Irwin. Here we
0: are. That's fair. Yeah, I he's a cool like guy. Irwin. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Oh, sad.
1: I'm going to get a Funko of my dad. Cute. I'm going to get one made with a hummingbird.
0: That is going to make me cry
1: i'm gonna cry what are you talking about we'll stop talking about it um okay uh so yeah so if you want to come back up for future episodes that would be dope
0: sure. Let us yeah. know. unless you like completely hated the experience just ghost us it's fine yeah this was the worst experience of my life um, i hated it <laughs> yes <laughs> cool. well thank you very much Farah, for joining yes. us today mm-hmm. and for educating all of us on what you do partially a very small niche what you do <laughs> Tyler
1: Um so yeah this is the end of the episode uh Farah will be back for future episodes if she doesn't ghost us at the end Um we appreciate you I coming on I would ghost on. us personally I would ghost us too Um thank you for coming on and educating people about move, the ocean move, and everything
0: boom 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 take us Hugo, out Hugo boom 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 All right
1: see you later <laughs> Have you heard about Animals is an educational podcast where we teach the importance of animals and human relationships Sam and I have worked hard to create something that everyone can enjoy. So, with that, please leave us a five-star review, a review, and what you think about the podcast. Have you heard about animals? Was created by Sam Splash and Tyler. All music is copyrighted by Have you heard about animals? And Sam Splash Records. Artwork is copyrighted by Have you heard about animals? And Sin Elric. Thing was done by Hugo.